0: And welcome to the Ignorance Project. Today, I'm very, very excited about having someone near and dear to my heart, um, Mr. David Person. So I'll just kick it off and let you introduce yourself and take it from there.
1: All right. Well, the first order of business is that I've known you since before you were in you your book.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. <because laughs> your,
1: your parents and I were in college together,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, uh, they are my dear friends. Uh, Keith and Hyacinth. And uh, so that's the most important thing. Absolutely. Uh, After that, everything else is just secondary. (laughs) Yes.
0: (laughs) And, you know, I've been, I think, as I get older, just reflecting a lot about my life and my childhood and community. And you're definitely family for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've been thinking a lot about things that I wish I'd, I'd done when I was younger like utilize the resources around me. Um, growing up in Huntsville and being in the Oakwood community, there were so many people around that I wish I'd asked more questions about their life and <laughs> what they did and why they did it. And in part, that's how the Ignorance Project came to be. Of course, getting out information that people are uncomfortable asking about or don't know how to seek, but also kind of exploring a part of myself where um. You know, just exploring my curiosity about different things and different career paths and um, you know, different ways you can live life. So thank you again for agreeing to do this.
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. It's my pleasure. So, you know, just a quick bio on myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been a um a media personality and i guess the, the 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 in vogue term these days is content creator <laughs> um i've been in that business the business of creating media content as a personality and as a producer and director uh for almost 40 years pretty close to 40 years uh, yeah um as a professional if if you if you want to count my years in college, then definitely over 40 years. <laughs> and uh, I've done it for newspapers. I've done it for radio stations and TV stations, um, podcasts, social media sites, documentaries, wow um, just uh, a wide range of things. And I'm still in a lot of those areas. To this day, Mm -hmm. uh, even though, of course, a lot has changed over over the past 40 years. So uh, that's what I do for a living. uh, And it's also part of what I do as a passion. And um, and then I've also been blessed to integrate one of my other passions into my media work. Mm-hmm. Which is social justice, mm-hmm. addressing social justice issues. So, those are that that pretty much sums up my professional life in a nutshell.
0: You're right. And we're going to get more into that soon. Um, yeah. But before we do, I want to talk a little bit about your background. We are <laughs> uh, alumni? alumni from the same university, Oakwood University. That's right. Yes, which is an yeah. HBCU that I'm very passionate about. And you studied journalism or communications? I'm really not sure.
1: I studied communication. I got okay. a I got a bachelor's degree in communication and interestingly enough, a minor in theology. Really? Yeah.
0: I did not know that. Okay.
1: Yeah, it's not readily evident if you <laughs> if you spend it <laughs> around me. I'm not really the the theological type probably mm-hmm. uh, in in a lot of ways, but then in some settings I am. So I guess yeah. it just depends on where I am, I guess.
0: Absolutely. And I think when you think about theology, too, I always think it's more about information, right? It means mm-hmm. that you're curious historically about biblical things and, you know, world religion. There's a lot that theology can yeah. encompass. So, yeah, right. I, I can see that in you, honestly. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> so you've majored in in communication. So what sparked that interest?
1: Well, that's a great question. I have been a what I what I call a radio geek,
2: Mm. a radio
1: geek since I was a little child. I just for whatever reason, yeah, I was enamored with radio as a child, and and to a and 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 also even not just to uh, enamored with radio, but even with um, other facets of broadcasting, TV news, Mm -hmm. you know, but radio in particular. Mm-hmm. And so um that was uh you know I grew up in Chicago as you know because that's your hometown as well yeah. and right. um Chicago is in my estimation especially you know on the 60s and 70s mm-hmm. early 80s it was probably one of the best cities to grow up in if you if you enjoyed radio right uh, because we had just we had amazing across genres and formats we just had amazing personalities you know mm-hmm. some of the top top names and uh people that went on to do uh national broadcasting work <clears throat> pardon me uh syndicated work
0: Tom, Joyner, Oprah. Tom, jo- Tom right. Joyner,
1: Oprah, yeah. bill curtis mm-hmm. um uh, there are others whose names i'm forgetting right now um you know, and there's some, some legend, radio legends like Larry Lou Jack Mm -hmm. and uh, Ira Glass, you know, for public radio people, Ira Glass. I mean, just a wide range of, it was just a good town for radio. And so uh, it, it stoked that interest in me and I never lost it.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. And see, that's kind of where I get to, just reflecting a lot about my childhood, because I remember being interested in, I wanted to be Oprah (laughs) at (laughs) one point. I said, that's what I want to do. I want to go, I want to interview people. And I want to have a national platform where I'm sharing information with the world. And I remember saying that to someone and them saying, I want to be Oprah too. And me thinking, I can never do it that now because (laughs) I need to be original. (laughs) And I think a lot about those moments in my life where I changed my path because of external um, things that happened that I felt wouldn't make me unique. Right. Mm -hmm. And I really regret that. And now as I look at my younger cousins and just the young people, now my friends are having kids in my life and I just want them to know it doesn't matter. Like, do what you want to do. It doesn't matter what anyone around you wants to do and use the resources around you. So thanks for giving that background. Mm
2: -hmm. Um,
0: And that kind of gets me into what I want to start talking about with you, which is. ultimately finding Tamika. But before we get there, the reason I thought about finding Tamika is because of what happened recently with Carly Russell. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And I mean, you're aware she was reported missing. A lot of people really blew up social media because she's a missing black woman, right? And when that happened, I remember just feeling very connected to her because I I saw myself in her. Right. I saw me, a young black woman, not as young as I was, but still youngish black woman, <laughs> just doing something that you think is the right thing. And then you get kind of caught up. And now someone kidnaps you in my mind. I couldn't sleep at night just thinking about what happened to her. Is she in a sex trafficking ring? Like what's going on? Um. So before I keep getting before I move on to, to me, I want to talk a little bit about missing white women syndrome.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, I guess what I'd like to say first is, mm-hmm. uh, and this may not be a popular point of view, but I actually mm-hmm. still feel a lot of sympathy for Carly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that um, she probably, if if what we understand to be the case is, is indeed true, which is that she sort of fabricated this whole missing person scenario from start mm-hmm. to finish, that's that's indicative of someone who's in who's having, I think, a very severe mental crisis, mm. and and I've got to wonder, well, what precipitated that? Mm-hmm. You know, what what stressors in her life or what trauma precipitated that? Yeah. So I, I actually have sympathy for her. Um, I think that um, there are a lot of people in general you know across racial lines, gender lines, sexual orientation lines who deal with trauma. and I think there's a unique trauma that black women deal with mm-hmm. um, because of the fact that one of the one of the toughest things in the world in our nation at least I should say one of the toughest things in our nation is to be a black person is to be born black. you're right. Now, you know, to be born indigenous also
2: mm-hmm.
1: is one of the toughest things mm-hmm. in our nation. But uh, certainly uh being black is 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 tough. Born black is tough. Being born a woman is mm-hmm. one of the toughest things in um in our nation and in the world. And so I can only imagine what kinds of Things she has had to deal with, and she's been subjected to, mm-hmm. that have led her to this point in her life. So I, I feel sympathy for her. Now, having said that, I don't. I'm not saying that. I'm dismissing what she did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that has to be dealt with. It's serious. And it certainly undermines and feeds into the very thing that you talked about, Shireen, white women's missing, uh, missing white women's syndrome. Mm-hmm. It feeds into that, and we know that you know. Uh, while this young woman got a lot of media coverage, um, and and probably honestly, probably not so much because um, she went missing. At least this is my opinion but because she said she saw a baby.
0: Yeah.
1: Because she saw a baby and I think that immediately that was by itself and I think that immediately elicited a lot of sympathy from people. That's and a, a lot of curiosity and fears from a lot of people. Right. Uh so I I would say that um what she did, unfortunately, it it reinforces or justifies in the minds of a lot of people, you know, the whole idea of devaluing missing black women mm-hmm. and valuing missing white women over missing black women or, or other women of color for that matter, you know. so uh, So, yeah, I have strong feelings about all of that but I do believe that, that she deserves a lot more sympathy than I think she's been getting.
0: That's fair. And, you know, as you say that when I was looking things up about Carly Russell, I found that there are, there are actually two other women, black women that went missing last week. Um, mm-hmm. And I want to make sure I speak their names. Janaya Duffy. She went missing in Georgia. She's a 15 year old black girl. Mm-hmm. And then Latasha Coleman, she's 46. She went missing in Mississippi. And I was looking at that and I thought about Carly Russell and I also thought about Rosa Parks because of course we hear about Rosa Parks, but what we're finding now, um, I remember reading the power of habit and discovering that there was another black girl that refused to get off the bus. Her name was Claudette Colvin. And my understanding is the movement said, she's not the right person for us to, to use for a boycott
1: right do you, now. Do you know why she was considered yes, to be the right person?
0: I do. Um, my understanding is she wasn't considered to be the right person because she was pregnant. She was yeah, exactly. 15. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I know there are a lot of people that talk about it's because she was dark. That's not my belief based on it. Right. She was, she, it wasn't right. And I, I thought a lot about why I connected with Carly specifically more than someone else that that I hear goes missing. And I thought, you know what? I know that she, she sounded like she had a similar life to my life (laughs) Mm -hmm. and that made me a little bit more empathetic. And like you said, I mean, she was helping a baby, which is what kind of made a lot of people feel like, Oh my gosh, she's helping a poor kid on the side of the road. But I think that's really what it was for me. It, it felt like me, whereas I don't always connect to people that go missing. Although I always feel empathy for them. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just thought that was interesting and I'm happy that you gave your opinion on everything and um, also gave her empathy because I, we're in an age right now where cancel cancel culture (laughs) is Mm -hmm. very strong and I hate it because Mm -hmm. as quickly as people were on this girl's side looking for her, they turned against her
2: and we don't know.
0: Yeah, we don't know her story. So thank you for that. Mm -hmm. um that leads me to talking about tamika houston so i really want to talk about finding tamika the podcast that you wrote and um if you can kind of give an overview on finding tamika and what it's about
1: okay so let me just let me just correct one thing i didn't i didn't write the script for the Uh series what i did was help to uh, produce it, and I'm one of the co-creators as well. Okay. So uh, the the Finding Tamika podcast, uh, and Audible actually doesn't call those audio products podcasts; mm-hmm. they call them Audible originals. But okay. but everybody else calls them podcasts. Right. So I'm going to say podcast for the purpose mm-hmm. of our conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, it the uh, there were four of us who created it. Mm-hmm. and five of us who actually produced it
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, so uh, the four creators are um Erica Alexander uh, who's the host of the series mm-hmm. and who is um, a well-known um, actress and producer and director in Hollywood um Rebecca Howard who is Tamika's aunt. Mm-hmm. And Rebecca is a uh, a lawyer and a public relations, um, uh, I guess I'll say public relations consultant or professional, um, and I also just as a reference point for people, she's married to uh, Desmond Howard, who is uh, the Heisman Trophy winner, NFL Hall of Famer. Uh, who is on uh, ESPN's College Game Day? If you're a fan mm-hmm. of college football, okay. Um, ben Arnon um, is Erica's partner in uh, business and life, and uh, he <clears throat> he's the uh, the third producer, and then myself.
2: Okay, thank you. And
1: and then we were joined by uh, a, a gentleman named James T. Green
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, as a producer, uh, even though James wasn't. Uh, didn't create the podcast wasn't involved in that part of the process he uh came on board to uh help with production and the unique sound of finding tamika can really be credited to james and oh, to erica okay um both of them uh as script writers and and james as a he oversaw the um the overall production process mm-hmm. uh the sounds and the feel of it and the the uh, score the music score really? all of that uh yeah all of that um i mean there were people that worked under him and with him but but he was sort of the the point person for all of that
0: That's really interesting because as i was listening it reminded me a little bit of um talking with strangers by malcolm mm-hmm. gladwell his audiobook if ah. i don't typically hear this type of sound okay that's really cool thanks yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. okay so how did you decide that this is something that you want to work on?
1: Well, uh, one day during the pandemic, I was sitting right where I am here in my, uh, my home office studio. Mm-hmm. And um, I was working on something and happened to glance up at the TV that I have here. And um, Desmond Howard. uh Rebecca's mm-hmm. husband was on television and I right. thought wow I haven't seen Desmond Desmond in a while and um and hadn't talked to Rebecca in quite a while mm-hmm. and um and so I just thought let me just call Rebecca and see how she's doing you right. know since we hadn't talked in a few years and uh, so I called her up and we chatted and as we were chatting and talking and um, of course we eventually started talking about Tamika because that's mm-hmm. how I got to know her. I got to mm-hmm. know her as a, as a journalist and broadcaster interviewed her several times while right. Tamika was missing. Right. And then of course, after they, after we found out what happened to mm-hmm. Tamika. And so um, in the course of that conversation, it just hit me, you know, because I'm in the podcasting business, you mm-hmm. know, I have other podcast that I've created and produced and, worked on and still do. And so I just thought, you know, this would make a really great podcast. Let me see if Rebecca would be interested. So I asked her and it just so happened that HBO had, had just approached her about participating in their series, uh, black and missing, Mm -hmm. um, which, uh, was, you know, covers the same basic territory. Um, you know, just sort of the plight of, uh, of Black women in the, who go missing and the plight of their families. And so uh, she was very open to the idea. Mm-hmm. So once I knew that, I called Erica. And uh, and uh, when Erica and Ben and I finally got together to talk about it, uh, and Erica is so thorough. I mean, she she asks, you know, 150 questions. Yeah. But after she asked all of her questions, she said, I want to do this
2: really
0: wow
1: yeah yeah she 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 got it mm-hmm. so uh, I I brought you know uh, Rebecca uh, Erica Ben and I had a, a meeting together and talked started talking about everything and, mm-hmm. and that's how it happened
0: wow and I would recommend everyone listen to Finding To Make it was so moving Thank um, you. I know I started listening to it and I thought I would like listen in pieces over a few weeks, but I couldn't stop once I pressed play.
2: Wow. Yeah. That's great. I love hearing that.
0: Thank you. Um, But her story and another one, there's something about knowing information about somebody that helps connect you with their story. Hmm. And so hearing about her family life, hearing about her, she sounded like such a sweet person, um, such a loving person, her friendships, um, it just helped make me more invested in her story. And um, even knowing that, knowing the end result, I still found myself feeling like, oh my gosh, I wish they would just, you know, be able to find her okay. And unfortunately that didn't happen. Um, But, you know, research says that every year about 600,000 people are reported missing of those 600,000, 34,000 are people of color. Mm. And after hearing that story and just kind of getting a little bit obsessive and (laughs) going on Google and going down all these different paths, I found that there are so many missing people of color as that, um, that article for NPR stated, but even black men that go missing. And I never thought about it. I've always felt very safe As a black woman, because I didn't think anyone would ever pick up anyone like me. (laughs) I Mm. always felt like I I did. I always felt like, okay, I'm not the type of person that a trafficker is targeting or I've never heard. I didn't grow up hearing that black women meant missing. So I just never thought about it. You guys were kind of putting together this, the way that you were telling the story. What are some interesting facts that you discovered?
1: Well, um, I guess one thing I should say is that, um, at the time that we were working on, uh, finding Tamika in, in pre-production stages, we were very much convinced that, um, women of color, black women in particular, as and that was our main focus, black mm-hmm. women, uh, that, that they were, um. It was not uncommon for black women to go missing Mm -hmm. Um, and for it to not be, and for it to be underreported. In fact, uh, I'll just say this. Um, There is a foundation called the black and missing foundation that um, has a very strong social media presence and they have a podcast that they've also launched Uh, the black and missing foundation if you if you if you like them on Instagram, you follow them on Instagram, what you'll find is that, as you just said, there are a lot of black people, women mm-hmm. and men, mm-hmm. who go missing on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. It's stunning. It's really stunning how many there are. And um, you know, across, you know, age range age ranges, I mean, from toddlers to seniors. Right. It's a phenomenon that is disturbingly common. Um, and, and often, often there are not happy endings. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes there are, but often there aren't happy endings. So I would, I would start there, um, in, in terms of things that we came across that or that we sort of reinforced in our, in our minds, Mm -hmm. um, in Tamika's case, I guess I'll say another thing that was um, that was um, fascinating or educational uh, is that it's very easy. It's a lot easier than we may think for someone to go missing, even when they have people that are in their lives on a right. regular basis, right? And you know, whether it's loved ones or friend, you know, family members or friends. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's just remarkably easy to blink your eye and somebody's gone. Yeah. Um and and it re- for me, and I think really for all of us who worked on on the project, um it reinforces the idea that we really need to reinforce in the minds of our loved ones, um, the idea of staying connected. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I would say this is especially, I mean, my feeling is it's especially true when it comes to younger people, but Mm -hmm. it probably applies to everybody. You know, we also just, you know, there should be people in our lives who, if we're going to do something, if we're going to go somewhere, if we're going to, be involved with somebody, people ought to know we shouldn't keep secrets. Our movement shouldn't be secret. Our Mm -hmm. relationships shouldn't be secret. Mm -hmm. Somebody should know because, um, in Tamika's case, one of the challenges that her family faced and that the investigators faced was that the, the killer, um, and I don't even want to say his name, (laughs) the killer, um, was not someone that um was familiar to her family mm-hmm. and and her her best friend was not very familiar with him either mm-hmm. so it made it more difficult for you know the investigators to to really see him as a suspect because they didn't really know he existed for quite a while
0: right wow and <laughs> I know as someone that gets kind of annoyed with my parents for always saying, Where are you going? <laughs> I need to know. Um, I can understand that secrecy. Um, yeah. I also know that I am currently in a space where I've cultivated a safe space with certain people in my life where they do always know where I am for that reason, because mm. you know, I do. I guess as you get older, you get wiser. And I do realize that someone needs to know what's going on, who you're with, where you're going, um, just in case, because you never know what can happen.
1: Right. And yeah. I'm not saying that we need to know all your business.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know, your
1: business is your business, but you we just. You sound like need... Hyacinth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but we need but we do need to know right you know what our loved one you know just at the very least you know you know who's in your life
2: yeah
1: you know yeah. and and if you're going to go to the jamaica or canada or mm-hmm. wherever with somebody you know somebody needs to know that yeah. you're going there with that person right you know uh again what you do is your business but mm-hmm. You know, but we just need to know. It's just a safety, it's a safety consideration.
0: That's very
2: true. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so
0: <laughs> <laughs> can you talk me through a little bit of your process? So you guys decide this is something that we're going to do. Yeah. Where do you start? Do you start by saying, okay, like asking her aunt what direction she wants to take this in? Or do you start by doing research? What's the, like the first step?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So it, it did involve. Uh, some conversations with Rebecca Mm -hmm. that were designed to kind of gauge her comfort level and to understand, um, you know, what her, I guess I'll say what her parameters were in even going down this path. Mm -hmm. And Rebecca was very, uh, to her credit, you know, um, she was, she, she herself was very open to a thorough exploration of this story. Mm -hmm. But also to her credit, she was very sensitive to her sister, Mm -hmm. Tamika's mother. Right. And so she wanted to make sure that, that Tamika's mother was going to be comfortable with us doing this. Mm-hmm. And so we got her blessing as well. Mm-hmm. And so then, um, and then as I recall, the next steps were really to just sort of flesh out what is the story? Right. You know, so, you know, you, you, you basically create an outline mm-hmm. that becomes a, an episodic outline, you know? So if we're going to tell this story, <clears throat> what is the story? And then how do we tell it? You know what are the what are the key things we need to cover in this story? Uh, from, and obviously you can't. Well, you start with her being missing, but then you really have to do a full fledged start with, well, who is she or right. who was she? Yeah. You know, and so you move from who she was to the to the missing to the dilemma and the dilemma it created for the family, with mm-hmm. the family's relationship, how the family had to begin to relate to law enforcement and to the media. Mm-hmm. And um, and then there were some internal <clears throat> family issues that we also addressed. Uh, there were some other, um, I'll say, um, ancillary issues, one in particular that was uh, a shock to me that I didn't know about because, you know, I'd known the story for years. yeah. But I never knew until we started working on this podcast that there was a woman, and I can't remember her name right now, but there was a woman uh, who was not related to the family,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, a white woman, an older white woman, who apparently was having visions about Tamika. Yeah. And that was very <clears throat> you know when I first learned that I thought, "Wait a minute, are we talking about a psychic or something?" Mm-hmm. But that's not what it was. She wasn't mm-hmm. a psychic. She was actually having dreams
2: mm-hmm.
1: or visions, uh, you know, I you know, I'm going to I'm going to sort of treat those two as uh synonymous. as as though they're synonymous about Tamika and, and what she was in about the situation, the circumstances Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and, and some of what she was dreaming about or having visions about uh, was information that actually helped in the investigation, Right, which was way out of my comfort zone. It was a
0: little eerie. I think that that was the moment I actually had to pause. Um, and you know, I come from a very religious. We share the, the same religious background.
2: Exactly.
0: Um, and the things that I heard growing up, the things I was raised hearing, something like that was just completely outside of my comfort zone. Yeah. Um, However, again, as I get older and I start to form my own belief system outside of what I was raised with, it is something that I've been actually more open to recently. So hearing that in a time where I've been more open to even thinking about the biblical connection with dreams and visions and why wouldn't they still happen now? But we're just not comfortable talking about those things. Like, you know, we're not as comfortable talking about it now as we are reading about it then.
2: <laughs> right.
0: um, so at, at that moment, I did actually pause for a few hours. I'm like, whoa, this is a little bit heavy. And I need to really kind of sit with this before I can keep going, because it's, it helped with the case. It's what ultimately led them to where she was.
1: Right. And you can't, yeah. And that's, and that's what I had to do too. I also yeah. talked it over with, um, <clears throat> one of uh one of my minister friends
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh and uh and I just came to the conclusion that first of all the story is the story so right. whatever it is is what it is
2: mm-hmm.
1: secondly um you know the reality is um even though it's outside of my comfort zone uh you know I do believe in um a world in which uh there are supernatural occurrences
2: right
1: you know occurrences that defy you know they can only be explained spiritually they mm-hmm. can't be explained through science you know or or tangible um you know uh occurrences so that being the case that means there was there's room for you know what this woman w- was experiencing right. now She may have interpreted it differently than perhaps I would interpret it. But the Mm -hmm. bottom line is there was still something supernatural going on. Yeah. And so, um, and I view it as a positive thing, not a negative thing, because Mm -hmm. again, it was designed to help the supernatural occurrences, however you want to define them or describe them, were designed to help the investigators find out what happened to Tamika, mm-hmm. so um, that was probably the most challenging aspect of this whole thing for me. Right. So you'll notice in the in the podcast, Erica had a certain way that she responded to mm-hmm. it, and she framed it in a way that doesn't comport with my belief system. Mm-hmm. But that's okay. That's mm-hmm. Erica's belief system, right? And Erica has every right to articulate you know, her perception of things and, and her understanding of things. And, you know, since you and I are talking here today, you know, I'm I'm sharing with you my interpretation and application mm-hmm. of things, which mm-hmm. is different.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, I
1: don't believe in ghosts. I don't believe in spirits right. in that sense. Um, <clears throat> but I do believe that there is a spirit world mm-hmm. occupied by, um, you know, in, in common language, occupied by, angels and demons and mm-hmm. and uh an invisible God and and uh and so forth so uh you know I think I think there's room for all of us to bring our own sort of interpretations to the table and right. trying to understand what happened you're right you know
0: yeah thank you for sharing that um I also thought it was interesting what her friend told her aunt, at the funeral, and then even her aunt's experience in the car with the—I think it was music playing. So there are just a lot of things that happen that Eric Alexander actually says. I think in the beginning, when everything starts, you're gonna—it's a, a wild ride that we're gonna about yeah. to go for. And I felt that, and um, also how things ended with her father, and it's just it was pretty heavy, everything that it's a lot for one person's life. It's a lot to go through. Um, so thank you again for your part in sharing that story. What, yeah. What are things that we can do? People can do that are listening or watching right now to help missing women or men.
1: Mm -hmm. I think one of the first things is to, uh, uh, go on social media and follow uh, the Black and missing Foundation
2: mm-hmm.
1: I think that's one of the most important things you can do. Um, it's a way to get really acclimated to the reality of the phenomenon mm-hmm. and also to get the kind of information that could potentially help some of these people who are missing to be found mm-hmm. you know because you're you're plugging into a network that's active. You know, in terms of people trying to find missing people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second thing I would say is, uh, again, we need to stress to all of our loved ones, you know, no matter what age they are or gender, um, you know,, um, you know, let's let's really be connected. Let's not get isolated, you know, uh, if you're bringing somebody new into your life, You ain't got to tell all of us, but tell somebody. Tell somebody. Somebody needs to know. Somebody needs to be able to say, okay, you know, y'all may not have known it, but Dave was spending time with this woman over here. Mm -hmm. You know, they need to know know that. I know
0: something that I will do is um, send pictures to my best friend, send a license plate number. This is the full name. This is the phone number. Like, this is everything. That you guys should know about the person that I'm with right now, just in case, God forbid, I don't think something's going to happen, but if something happens, this is all the information you should have.
1: I think that is excellent, especially when you're talking about somebody that you're just getting to know. Mm -hmm. I think that's exactly the way to do that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say those things. and um, And then finally, I guess we should have more of these conversations, whether it's about whether the finding Tamika podcast is the stimulus, or whether some other situation is the the stimulus, we need to have more of these conversations, and uh, we really need to have conversations in particular about Black people, and I and I guess I'm I mean this is a this isn't just a Black people problem; it's a societal problem. But right. but. But I'm speaking now because we're talking about finding Tamika specifically mm-hmm. about black people. We need to be come a lot more conversant of and interested in um, conversant about and interested in mental health for ourselves mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, And I say this because the killer, of Tamika Houston, the story that he told law enforcement was that they had an argument about money Mm -hmm. and that he, in a fit of rage, took an iron that he was using to iron clothes and threw it at her Mm -hmm. or hit her in the head with it. Oh, my God, what a horrible thing to do to somebody Mm -hmm. over an argument over money? Really?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: You're going to do something that could be fatal? And then on top of that, this guy, he doesn't try to get help for her.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: He takes her body, and she could have still been alive for all we know.
0: I think about that a lot.
1: And puts it in a closet. Right. Right. Then he goes out, picks up an underage young woman, Mm -hmm. you know, a a, a late teenage in her late teen years, brings her back to the very same apartment
2: Mm -hmm.
1: where he just killed Tamika or at least, you know, severely wounded her. And she's unconscious or dead in his closet. And he's having sex with this Mm -hmm. I mean that the whole thing is just sick.
2: It is,
1: you know. So you you, you know you kind of have to wonder, and I I struggle with this because I don't have any sympathy for him, and I struggle with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I I I don't I I didn't tell you um, one of my responsibilities as a producer was to reach out to him, so I actually reached out to him and corresponded with him. Yeah. So that we could make sure that we got, you know, s- his side, so to speak, uh, for the podcast. And so the letter that Erica was reading, uh, in whichever episode it was, uh, that that uh, had the killer speaking, uh, was something that he sent me, mm-hmm. you know, he emailed to me, and um, or maybe he mailed it. I can't remember now. I think he mailed it. He mailed it to me. I think. Um, you know, there's something was wrong with that guy, You're right? I mean, he was horribly sick. So uh, yeah, we need to have we need to have some real conversations about mental health. We need to have some real conversations with boys and uh, about how to treat women.
2: Mhm.
1: We need to have real conversations about uh people and I'm going to speak now in a broader sense encompassing uh you know the complexity of gender identity as we know it today mm-hmm. about people that present as male whether they were born male or not and how they treat people who present as female whether mm-hmm. they were born female or not um in same sex relationships, you know, the, the same conversation, you know, because there's violence in some of those re- relationships too, just right. like there is in heterosexual relationships. You know, we just need to have that conversation about intimate partner violence mm-hmm. and 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 how to be healthier people, so that in our relationships, whatever category they fall in. Um, you know, violence, the, the chance for violence is lessened and not um, escalated.
2: Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm.
0: With the knowledge that you have now, what's something that you would teach your son at a young age?
1: Well, uh, you know, don't don't ever hit a, a woman mm-hmm. or a girl. You know, don't ever call her out of her name. Um. Treat You know, women, or, uh, and I'll even go a step further and say, you know, women, whether they are, uh, you know, uh, cisgender or trans, Mm -hmm. uh, treat them with the utmost respect because, um, you know, uh, as should be obvious to all of us, there is something uniquely special about women that warrants that. Right. Just because of, um, you know, and again, I don't care if you're talking about, you know, cisgender or uh transgender um the female spirit is a special spirit mm-hmm. the female inclination is a special inclination, let alone the ability of cisgender females to give birth to bring life into the world. Right. This all of that is special and it mm-hmm. needs to be revered. Um now, you know, there are a lot of countervening attitudes and 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 uh viewpoints in society that would challenge those things. And and unfortunately masculinity uh has become I don't care what anybody says, masculinity has absolutely developed over time
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, a, a very severely toxic uh, aspect to it mm-hmm. and, and I say over time, but I think it's really been with us for centuries you know um, It's just that you know the way things have been portrayed we didn't necessarily recognize it as such until right. recent times right So I would I would definitely try to encourage uh, my son and you know my son. Um, you know, uh, to um, and I think, and I think this is who he is today. Thank mm-hmm. God. Uh, it, you know, just you know, do not you know, do not embrace the more toxic aspects of masculinity that mm-hmm. are being promulgated in society.
0: Absolutely. Thank
1: yeah. You. Yeah. I
0: wanted to ask that for those with young sons that are raising them, so they can kind of have a guide <laughs> for mm-hmm. what they should be saying. So, thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks so much for talking about Finding Tamika. Is there anything that you're working on now that we can support?
1: Um, yes. Uh, let me just run through a few things. First, let me also say real quickly. You know, we were blessed in that Finding Tamika won two national awards: yeah. uh, the uh, the Dupont Columbia Award, which uh, uh we were in the same uh, class of awardees as uh, 60 Minutes on CBS, The mm-hmm. Washington Post, ABC News, CNN. Uh, so we were we were really proud of that. Yeah. Um. We also won a Webby, uh, which we're really proud of, and we were one of Audible's top nonfiction podcasts last year. Um. In terms of current projects, um, I co-host and produce. Uh, a podcast called Breathe, Mm -hmm. which uh, I do with uh, my pastor, Pastor Deb Lear Snell. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is, uh, he's the senior pastor of the Oakwood University Church and also the speaker director for a ministry called Breath of Life. And uh, and the Breathe podcast comes under the auspices of Breath of Life. I also co-host a podcast called Alabama Politics This Week. And every week, uh, my co-host and I, Josh Moon, uh, we analyze uh, Alabama politics, which is, as you can imagine, a freaking mess right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and we is also- close inter-
0: to Florida politics right now?
1: <laughs> uh, it's, it's about as, it's, it's, they're about neck and neck. Oh, yeah. It's about neck and neck. And we interview newsmakers, uh, politicians, newsmakers, um, you know, we've had- um, you know, uh, former Governor Siegelman on the show a couple, two or three times, uh, Doug Jones, former U.S. Senator, you know, a bunch of people. So uh, we, we do that show or that podcast. Um, I've gotten one that we are developing now about um, the city that you used to live in, Huntsville, <laughs> Alabama. All right. uh, that we're developing called Hello Huntsville mm-hmm. that we think is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to take a look at what makes Huntsville special, unique yeah. place to live, fun place to live, yeah. um, and look at it through the eyes of um, some of its more prominent citizens mm-hmm. as well as those who are not so prominent. Mm-hmm. And so we're looking, we're, we're deep into production on that now and looking forward to that. Uh, I'm trying to think. What else um, Merritt's mentioning? Um, for now, for now, that's it. For now, that's it.
0: Okay. A little um, birdie told me way back in the day. Used to have a television show.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I did. Yeah, you were you were a little little little. Yeah. Back in those days, but yeah, I did a. I did a TV show uh on uh, the CBS affiliate here in Huntsville called Talk Back. Mm-hmm. And uh it was a uh basically I was the black liberal and uh, my co-host was the white conservative and we yeah. had a lot of fun. <laughs> we had a lot of fun debating uh politics and taking phone calls. Mm-hmm. And uh and it was it was a lot of fun to do but it was also um uh, uh, it's kind of weird to be honest with you yeah. to be just wherever you go, somebody is staring at you because they <laughs> recognize you from television. It's just, yeah. I don't know how the, I don't know how the anchors, the news anchors, I don't know how they do it. Because <laughs> It just, it was kind of weird to me, but, um, but yeah, I used to do that. And, you know, I also used to write for USA Today mm-hmm. as an opinion columnist and done some features for NPR so I've got a lot of work out there
0: yeah And a few things right
1: <laughs> yeah just a little bit <laughs> I
0: know um Mindy Kaling in her book was it um is I think it's is everyone hanging out without me but she talks about how famous she dreams of being and it's famous enough where she can go and like go to lunch and be at peace and a few people come up and say hey I know you from this show. But not so famous that she's like a Michael Jackson or Beyonce and she can't like take two steps without everyone crowding her.
1: Right. <laughs> so that's right. what I
0: thought of when you said that.
1: Well, people were always polite. Yeah. You know, in fact, some people back in the talk back days, and I mean people still come up to me today because mm-hmm. you know, I have enough of a, a media presence uh that, that people still come up to me today and we'll talk about hearing me on the radio or seeing me on TV. But but back then, because it was weekly, it was just, uh, it was different. But people were always polite. Yeah. Even the ones who disagreed with me were polite. You Southern know?
0: hospitality.
2: So,
1: yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Southern hospitality. Yeah. yeah. And I think it also helped that they could tell that even though my co-host, Brent Woodall, who's a great guy,
2: mm-hmm.
1: that even though we did not agree on politics, We actually liked each other Mm -hmm. as people and they could tell that we got along, you know, because the vibe between us was intense. It was a fun vibe. And I think that that helped a lot, I think.
0: I think that for my generation or for me, at least I can't speak for everyone. That's something that I felt like I learned from Trump, actually, Um, because for so long you, you feel like, oh, this person does not have the same political affiliation that I do which makes them horrible. <laughs> and then Trump became president and you saw people really expressing their different opinions and people on that side, on the Republican side, disagreeing with him. And it helped me connect with more people than I would have had he not been president. So I always, thought, I always say that's like the blessing of Trump for me, at least, <laughs> <laughs> became more of an open person.
1: I like that. I like that. So even with that dark cloud, there's a silver lining. (laughs) There's
0: always a silver lining. There's always something good you can look for, right? (laughs) Uh,
1: That's right. That's right. That's right.
0: Well, thank you so much for agreeing to do this again. um, Thank you for having this conversation. And I really, my hope is that people hear this and I want to say we help find more missing Black women. never know or just black people or just people in general Mm -hmm. if you see something say something right absolutely yeah thank you for listening to the ignorance project and i hope you leave feeling enlightened